Hey, everybody. One more hour today for me. I'm Terry Blunt. I'm here with Jackson Feltz. I'm subbing for Jason Puckett. He's on vacation for Fourth of July week. He will be back on Monday along with Cliff Averill, who joined us in the 11 o'clock hour. Their new show, Cliff and Puck, debuts on Monday, Monday through Friday from 10 to 1. You won't want to miss it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Cliff is just a great guy to talk to, and he's going to have great insight for us going forward. So uh, we want you to keep sending in your uh, next crazy thing on our Hairs Distilling text line, next crazy thing that LeVar Ball will say. I tell you what, I think we've got a winner, Jackson, but boy, there's a really good contender that just came up here from the 253. What'd you see? This is, this is LeVar quote. I'm announcing my president, my candidacy for president because my sons and I think it's about time there were some balls in, Oval, in the Oval Office. Oh, oh, that's a good one. Okay. <laughs> that's pretty good. Now that's pretty good. But I think we're we're pretty decided on our winner here. And uh, so I'll we'll, give uh, I'll, you know I'll give the listener ten minutes. We'll decide. We'll, we'll, we'll decide it, yeah. at the end of the segment. So ten minutes away from from that. But we do have a front runner right now. We won't say it again. But in ten that's minutes, right. very cool. We'll also, you can uh, continue to vote on Twitter. Jackson Feltz put out a little Twitter thing on who, which coach is most likely to lie or fudge or whatever you want to call it if the if the college football NCAA goes to the same system the NFL has for standardized injury reporting. And your four choices were Mike Leach of Wazoo, Nick Saban of Alabama, Jim Harbaugh of Michigan, or Chris Peterson of UW. It is a very close vote, very close vote, but it looks like Jim Harbaugh is going to edge out well, Nick Saban there. We still, got, we still got 57 minutes. We do, in this we do. Ball. But, you that's know, that's, uh, I think, uh, you know, we're talking about the ex Santa Clara coach there, very hated by so many Seahawks fans to this day. So, so, uh, I will be surprised if he isn't number one. But hey, there's still an hour to vote. You can get your votes in. Pick whoever you want on that category. We also want to talk a little more, and we're going to have uh, Gary Hill up on the Mariners broadcast team on our next segment. We want to talk a little bit more about this situation with the Mariners, about their expectations. You know, people get down when they lose a game, and they go back to the same stuff of, oh, same old Mariners. Or do some of those things that people say now, should they no longer apply? And in my point is, they shouldn't. So yesterday, we're at the game. Uh, Curtis Crabtree and I were both working the game for Associated Press, and they get behind 6-3, to three and they don't get anything done when they had a no-outs-bases-loaded situation. And here the Twitter comments come. Here the haters come. Same old Mariners. Can't get the job done with men on base. They had seven strikeouts yesterday or with, uh, with, you know, and left eight men on base when they had guys in scoring position, blah, 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 and all that kind of stuff. And I just think so many of these things no longer apply to them. I mean, look, 162 games, guys, is a very long season. This is a marathon, not a sprint. And you're going to have games where things don't go your way. You know, we brought this up earlier about such an unusual game where the first inning, Othani scores after getting on base because of catcher's interference, and then Valbuena hits it around the shift and gets an incredible double that should have been an out because he hit you know opposite the shift. And you know there's that, and then the whole thing with the bases loaded situation where David Fletcher of the Angels makes an incredible catch on kind of a broken bat flare that was going to land behind second base and score two runs that Gene Segura hit. Unbelievable catch there. And then in the ninth inning... Just an absolute fluke where they had men on second and third, and Segura hits a ground ball to first. The pitcher doesn't cover first, so Pujols decides, okay, well, I'm just going to throw home, and they tag out Zanino at the plate when they wouldn't even have thrown it there if the pitcher had done his job. 
You it's know, just crazy. With so many one-run wins we've had this season, and we went over the stats on, I believe it was Tuesday, about Edwin Diaz and just the season he's had so far. Yeah. With everything that's gone right for this team in one-run ball games, losing one seven to four game and having a few things go wrong on one day. Uh, yeah. Okay. I'll take it if you get twenty. Well, was it twenty-two and zero on in for Edwin Diaz and one-run wins? Yeah, and forty-one and zero when he enters the game and they have the lead. <laughs> yeah, so forty-one and zero. You've only got fifty-five wins. Yeah, I'll, I'll <laughs> take I'll take one day against bad day against the Angels where they got a few things go right than another yeah. loss or a couple losses. Every on that team is going yeah. to have a one of those disappointing losses that things don't go your yeah. way or you give up a home it's run in the baseball. It's just it's a long season, guys. But they've had so many disappointments over the last 16 years that people just fall back into this mode. So there's a lot of those things that people say, like the same old Mariners, they can't get it done with guys in scoring position. That's just not true. Most of the time they have. As a matter of fact, yesterday there was a tweet that Curtis showed me about somebody said, see, they always strike out with men in scoring position. And they had 15 strikeouts yesterday. If this team doesn't cut down on the strikeouts, that's not well. By the way, statistically, they're fifth best this season in the league for not striking out in the era where everybody strikes out mm. all the time. So, you know, it's just those things that you used to say about them are no longer true. They just don't apply in most cases. And it's hard. I get it. It's hard for people to believe it. It's hard for them to think that this team is not that team, you know, but this team really isn't that team. This team has won 55 games before the All-Star break, and they're going to win some more. So you've got to realize that these are a really good group of players, and you don't blame them <laughs> when something goes wrong What's and thinks that's the, just because they were bad before. The sins of the father are not the sins of the son. Isn't exactly. that the line? There yeah, exactly. That's kind of what it is. But I get it. I mean, people and, – and Twitter tends to be in – an evil place sometimes when things go wrong anyway i get that and i think most people don't feel that way now about them but look don't get down if they win a game that you felt like they didn't do the things they were supposed to do and they didn't play good defense yesterday you know they made some mistakes uh a ball dropped in uh right field between gamble and d gordon you know little things like that but for the most part they played exceptional defense this year I think they're still on on pace for something like a hundred wins, maybe a little bit more than that. And hundred and three. The, the fact the fact that we are discussing the Mariners, these words together, Mariners projected a hundred wins. I, I what year is this? <laughs> I know <laughs> this should not be twenty eighteen. Yeah. Maybe the twenty twenty seven year of turn ahead the clock, but this is <laughs> uncharted territory. Well, I think there's still some people out there that think it's a fluke. You know, it's yeah. a fluke. It, trust me, guys. If you've won 55 games by early July, it is not a fluke. You're good. And so here's some stats, by the way. For, so for the American League, and I get it why people say Houston's the best, because this is, as of before yesterday's game, here are the stats. In team hitting and team batting average, the Astros are number two to Boston. In pitching, they're number one. And in fielding, they're number one. That's pretty awesome yeah, that's, when you're 1-1-2. One, one, that's a great team. So only Boston is a little bit better hitting team right now than they are as far as average goes. But but Seattle's number three right behind them in hitting. Uh, Seattle is number five in pitching. And Seattle is number four in fielding. So this isn't a fluke, guys. This isn't happening because they just got lucky on one-run games. Statistically speaking, if you look at it, 
they're not that far behind Houston. Number four in fielding, number five in pitching, and number three in hitting. <laughs> you know, that means you're really good. So we have a promotion running right now during our commercial breaks that has Chuck and Buck talking about how if this all of this is just previewing a one-game playoff. Yeah. Because there's the thought that, you know, let's say Houston runs away with the division, and all of this is great, and maybe they win 99, 100 games, but if this is all for a road game in Boston or in New York for a one-game playoff, and that will be it. that will yeah exactly that will be the element where Mariner fans will then be able to resort once again to same old Mariners and even though they may be in that one game playoff it's oh the situation came down to this they need to pull it off and they didn't do it yeah. it's unfortunate they because the division, if they yeah. don't get into that divisional series whether it be against New York Boston Houston whoever comes out of the Central then there is still going to be that giant large part of the fan base that say same old Mariners and until they get there until they get to that five game series yeah. I don't know that 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 belief in Mariner fans that it's all going to fall apart is going to go away you know what if they win a hundred games and they're the runner up in the division and they go to Boston and New York and lose in a one game playoff everybody should be okay with that. It's that's just a flaw of the system. It is not the Mariners. You're you're right. That's totally a flaw of the system. If you win a hundred games, you shouldn't have to play a one game playoff on (laughs) the road to get in a real series. When the National League probably won't have one team that has your amount of wins, by the way. Right. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So that's just a flaw in the system, and they shouldn't be penalized for that. But let's say that happens. I mean, so then you have they go to Boston. You have Chris Sale against James Paxton. You know, I take my chances with that. That's not a bad matchup. Well, they played well in Boston, you know, and they played well against the Red Sox here. I guess my big concern would be if they have to go to New York because yeah. they played terribly. They haven't in played New York, well there, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that'd be Severino against so Paxton. Go, so go Yankees, I guess, would be the thing that I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So who knows what's going to do happen over there? But like I say, it's not out of the question. Just hang in there yeah. with the Astros. They got 13 games left with them. If you could win seven of those games out of those 13. You are going to be in the hunt in September. In those three games in the middle of September, the last three games they play each other in Houston, wow. Just go 500 against Houston. You know, whether it's, yeah. whether it's seven and six just or six. Just go 500, seven. six, seven, just seven. Yeah. Keep it even versus Houston and let everything else play out. Exactly. That's exactly what they need to do. But look, this team is the real deal, folks. They're not winning games just because they're winning one run games. And that's another thing. We talked about this earlier. You know, if you win one run games, it's not that you're lucky. It's that you have the players and the ability to get it done when it means the most. That you know, that's great if you're like the Astros have this giant run differential, like 150 runs. But just like last night, they also get it done when the game's on the line, coming coming back and winning in the tenth inning on a sacrifice fly five to four. And that's the kind of thing the Mariners have done all year. Yeah. So, and I just think. Hang with them, guys. Don't get upset if they win. You know, even if they go out and lose today and lose two out of three to the Angels, look, the Angels would still be ten games back. Ten games. So you know, don't get. And I think they will win tonight. But even if they don't, it's just they're okay. They're going to be okay. This this team is the real deal. So when we come back, we're going to talk about it more. And uh, before we, got, we go to break, Terry, we we have to give away here the twenty oh, yeah. bucks to to Other Coast Cafe for these LeBron. Let's uh, do it. So Olympics. I think we uh, now uh, I. I think we've made a decision, right? I haven't seen anyone come in that's that's really matched that level of that's creativity. Just as good as it gets. Uh, 
And that's kind yeah. of the, what we base it on, how funny it is, how creative it is. So yes, the sir. last one we read was really good, by the way. That's a, that's definitely the runner-up for me. For me, the runner-up was the Lakers only signed James as a trading piece to get better for supporting to trade to trade LeBron for supporting pieces for Lonzo's <laughs> Hall of Fame career. I read, that, I read that totally. I botched that whole thing. The Lakers only signed LeBron as a trading piece to get better supporting players for Lonzo's Hall of Fame career. Thank you. That's my runner-up. Okay, here's a good one I, I haven't read before from the 425. I hope LeBron knows that I invented the game of basketball and Jerry Buss and Magic answer to me. <laughs> That's going to. Wow. But I think the, the winner is clear, is it not? It is. Yeah. Go and, ahead. And that one is from the 425. 74 hot dogs. Weak. I'd eat 80 footlongs and still be able to whoop Jordan's butt afterwards. <laughs> That's the winner. And you know what's really funny about that? I could actually see him saying oh, that. Of course! That's, <laughs> that's a realistic thing to come out of LeVar's no crazy mouth. So there's our winner. Congratulations. It's a really cool deal. You get a $20 certificate to the uh, Coast Cafe. Other Coast Cafe. Other Coast Cafe. Very cool. So we'll be right back. When we come back, we're going to have Gary Hill of Mariners Broadcast Team on Sports Radio 950 KJR. This is the Pepsi that gets you stuff, like an acoustic guitar or even tickets to Dirks Bentley. Drink Pepsi, get stuff. You said it, Dirks. Pepsi Stuff Rewards Program, subject to official rules at PepsiStuff.com. Open to legal U.S. residents 18 plus. All rewards subject to availability and may have limited quantities while supplies last. Ladies and gentlemen, coming to you live on Seattle's original diehard sports station, Seattle Sports Radio 950, KJR. Now back to the Carter Volkswagen Studios. We want to congratulate Keith, I believe it was from the 425, for winning a $20 gift certificate to the Other Coast Cafe for his very cool hot dog-related tweet about what's the craziest thing LeVar Ball will say next, and uh, LeVar may actually steal that when it was so good. So congratulations to Keith, that's very cool. Uh, joining us now on the Beacon Plumbing Hotline is Gary Hill of the Mariners Broadcast Team. Gary, thanks so much for being with us. Anytime. Great to talk to you, Terry. Great to be here. You know, uh, we did this thing today about how every time the Mariners lose a game, which is rare these days, you get these doubters coming out of the woodwork. Like, I just got new ones here on the text line. We asked them, what are things people typically say? The Mariners are still the Mariners. They will screw up the season somehow. The Mariners are not good enough to win a one-game playoff, but it'll be fun to watch, though. The Mariners are not really a playoff team. You know, on and on and on. I mean, what, what, what does it take for people to believe and understand that this team is really good? I don't know. I mean, to me, it just takes looking at the standings at this point because, I mean, 55 and 32 at this point, a game and a half behind Houston, fourth best record in the big leagues. And probably the best part of it all is Oakland and Los Angeles. The pressure is really put on everyone behind the Mariners to try and get that final playoff spot. And the, the Mariners are right there for the division, too. I mean, I don't think. Coming into the All-Star break, many people would have predicted the Mariners would have the fourth-best record. They can stay in the hunt for the West. Houston, obviously, a great ball club, uh, defending World Series champions, really good. But if the Mariners can hang around, people didn't expect them to get this far. Maybe they can pick off the division. But, hey, you look at the standings, everything's doing fantastic. I get it. It's tough to lose a game like last night. You get used to winning. You've won eight in a row. And to me, they've changed the mindset, too. I know when I watched that game unfold last night, and I, I don't think I'm alone in this, I felt like, hey, the Mariners are going to find a way to get this done. Oh, yeah. We've seen it so many times this year. 
I thought it was going to happen again last night, although you can't get them all, as it turns out. Well, that's kind of the problem. We've done it so many times this year, you always yeah. expect them to come back. I mean, I thought there was a play uh, in the middle of the game where Pujols tagged up from first and got thrown out at second with the ball was thrown to the plate to Herman, then Herman threw him out at second. And at that time, Curtis Crabtree and I talked to each other and said, you know what, that may be the difference in the game, that mistake, because the next guy up, hit a fly ball to center field that would have tagged up, that would have been a sacrifice fly and scored another run. And I thought, Mm -hmm. that was a really stupid mistake at the time. And they're down three runs, but I'm thinking, Curtis and I are thinking, you know, that was stupid. That may be the difference in the game and the Mariners being able to come back. It wasn't, but that's a good thing that you think that way about them now because you just don't ever feel like they're out of a game. Absolutely. And most importantly, they don't feel that way either. You talk to a... Every guy in the clubhouse, they feel like they're going to win every single ball game, no matter what has happened, you know, in the first inning, second inning, whatever, how many runs they're down. You talk to them all, they have a level of confidence. It's one of those things in sports that it's hard to quantify. I mean, we like to quantify everything in baseball with numbers and stats and everything, but that team belief, whatever it is, that intangible, uh, intangible, the Mariners have it. I mean, to a man, they believe they're going to win every time they go out. And we've seen it play out so many different times this year whether it's one-run games or big comebacks or whatever. And it's it's been awfully fun to watch. I mean, the winning has been great. The way they've done it has been spectacular and so entertaining. You know, and that's true what you say. And to me, that's a big deal. You know, we talk all the time about chemistry and, you know, maybe that's overplayed. But it means a lot. This team just has something that makes them gel together. And even Denard Spann, since he's been here, you know, he's said several times, you know, this team is special. These guys, there's no clicks here. Everybody gets along. Everybody likes each other. Everyone believes in each other. He said, you know, he's played on 11 teams. And he said, yeah. this team is special. And I can feel it. I'm so glad to be a part of it. They, they just have this camaraderie between them that you can't, like you say, you can't quantify it, but it's there and it, and it makes, it makes a difference. And the word that, uh, that gets used all the time with this team is fun. I mean, they're yeah. fun to watch. They have fun playing with each other. You can see it. I mean, all it takes is to watch the dugout while things are going on and the celebration of D. Gordon's running around high-fiving everybody. I mean, they're just fun. They're a fun team, the way they go about it. They're fun to be around. It's an infectious to watch, too. It's great. D. Gordon, maybe more than anyone else, is just such a fire for this team. The guy is just, he's just so on an emotional high all the time. You know, whenever somebody gets a big hit, like you say, he runs around the dugout. He's just always doing fun stuff and crazy stuff. He was talking about, we were talking to Scott about this yesterday, about how Scott was giving him a hard time about he couldn't get that 300th steal. And he said, yeah, Skipper gave me a hard time about that. So I finally got it, got it off my shoulder. And, you know, you're right. But he, more than anybody, to me, exemplifies what this team is, that they're just a yeah. group of guys that they never get down. Uh, you know, there's not a, they're not arguing with each other in the dugout or in the clubhouse. They really get along, and he, more than anyone, is that spark to me that exemplifies who they are. Which, in baseball, I think is more important than any other sport because of the grind of it. I mean, yeah. you are in this every single day and to have an energy guy like that can pick a team up completely and we've seen that so many times with D Gordon and I mean talk about a team first guy you know coming to the team playing center field for the first time in the middle of the season move back to second base and he's like yeah whatever it takes whatever for the team we've seen it so many times this year the energy guy, the team guy, and whenever he's on base, it's so much fun to watch because he, he causes 
so many problems. He just makes things happen. It's a, it's a blast. Yeah, and you know, and we talk about that about you know this team has that chemistry and all that, and they're they just gel well together. But statistically, this is a really good baseball team. I was just talking yeah. about this with Jackson. Okay, Houston's number two in hitting, number one in pitching, number one in fielding. But Seattle is number three in hitting, number five in pitching, and number four in fielding. You know, it's not a fluke. <laughs> these guys are these guys are actually statistically a very good baseball team. So no, absolutely, yeah. yeah this is a very well-rounded team. Uh, you look at the rotation; the third most innings out of any rotation in base uh, in, yeah. in baseball, and the only two ahead of them are Cleveland and Houston. The bullpen's been phenomenal, especially Diaz, who's had an out of the world season here in the first half historical with what he's been doing especially in one run games and closing all those down the offense can beat you in a number of different ways we've seen him do it with the long ball we've seen him do it with speed at the top and and defense which i don't think we talk about enough i think their defense has been outstanding this year you look at mitch hanniger according to defensive run saves he's been the best right fielder in baseball and he can play center field at times too uh the left side's been great uh, Seeger's having another Gold Glove caliber season. Segura's playing his best shortstop since he's been here. Zanino is outstanding according to the numbers. Defense has been a big part of this thing, especially when you look at the rotation. Really, Paxton is the only strikeout guy. They have a lot of pitch-to-contact guys into the rotation, mm-hmm. and that's been huge for this rotation to have the defense behind them. They've been exceptional. I mean, Hanniger yesterday had two really hard hits on the foul line wall that he was trying to make catches on, and he was going for it. I mean, the first one down the foul line uh, up towards the first baseline where he almost went in the stands and hit his hip pretty hard. Then the second one on the ball that he would have caught, but the ball just hit the wall before he could get his glove under it. And he made a long run to get to that ball. He's all out on every play. You know, he's tied for the league lead in assist. He... (laughs) What a gun that guy has. And uh, it's just, it really is. They played exceptional defense along the way. And what you need to do with, like you say, with a lot of pitchers that are pitching to contact rather than just strikeout pitchers. So it's it's phenomenal to watch. It really is. No, it really is. And you mentioned Hanniger. I was thinking about this the other day, trying to think of who my first half MVP is. And I think if you asked seven people, you'd probably get seven different answers. But and maybe Mitch Hanniger, with everything he's done in the first half, not only defensively but offensively, been a, a rock for this lineup throughout the course of the season. He's only missed one game in the first half, especially when the Mariners went through some injury situations early on in the season. He has been so good for this team this season, playing at an all-star caliber level, and I hope he makes the all-star team. That'd be phenomenal. I really do, too. He certainly deserves it. 62 RBIs. He, he should be on the all-star team. And, and like I said, eight outfield assists. You know, the guy, and then they have these guys who like Seager. Seager's got to be the most productive 239 hitter in the league. Yeah. I mean, the guy's got 53 RBIs and 16 home runs. So, you know, it's it's a li- his average is a little misleading, and it has gone up lately, and I think it'll continue to go up. But the guy had a big home run yesterday, the back-to-back homers by he and Healy. Uh, he's, he had another RBI. He's got 53 RBIs, I think, now. I mean, he's on pace for almost 100 RBIs. So that says a lot about you don't just look at a guy's batting average. Look at how productive he is. And in his case, of course, what talk about phenomenal defense. I mean, he's been a gold glover over there again. 
Yeah, you make a great point because I know Seager's been taking a lot of criticism here in the first half, but really it's been all about the batting average because you look at everything else and he's been outstanding. He leads the team in extra base hits. He's driving and runs, and you mentioned his defense. Now, if it wasn't for Chapman with the A's, he would be the leader in the clubhouse for gold glove at third base. He may not win it again this year, but he's playing at that level. He's probably better this year than the year he won the gold glove, and that's saying a lot. He has been a big part of what the Mariners have done so far this season. And as you point out, his average is going up. We'll see how high it goes. It's tough for him now being a left-handed pole guy because the shifts are so prevalent compared to even where they were a few years ago. I mean, he's being shifted on just about 80% of the time, and just three years ago it was like 30%. So think about that in terms of difference in batting average. We may not see it rise to where it's been in the past, but he has been really productive, and I think you give him a lot of credit too because, you know, with all the shifts ever, we've seen some left-handed hitters really get hurt. I mean, Davis and Baltimore, Calhoun with the Angels, who we're watching right. uh, now in this series, they've really been devastated by the shift, and Seager has still found a way to be productive through it, and it's not easy right now for left-handed pole guys. You know, Scott Service brought up a point to us the other day saying people need to realize that the median batting average in baseball now is 245. Yeah, I mean, it used to be like too. 257 or something like that. So you have to realize batting averages have gone down because of the shifts and because, you know, people with launch angles and trying to hit home runs and all that kind of stuff. But so while it seems lower, it's it's not that much lower than the fact that all the league is lower because of the difference in the game. So there's that factor as well. And then the one guy that I know they would like to see his average go up, and that's that's Mike Zanino. But I found yesterday's game interesting, Gary, because before the game, Scott Service talked about, you know, he went out and did some extra batting work before the game. We all saw it. He was doing a lot of uh, different things to try and work on his swing. And and Scott Service told us before the game, you know, he's just trying to find his stroke. He says he's he needs to be a little bit more consistent. And the biggest thing is, is he's just swinging at balls, you know, that aren't strikes. He said he's been mm-hmm. chasing some pitches. So what happens he comes in as a pitch hitter in that game, and what does he do? He walks to load the bases with nobody out. So, And then his next time up, he got a base hit. So, you know, it, it's like they really are doing things, doing more things than statistically you realize. And he's, I think he's second in the league for catchers in the number of home runs he's hit. So while certainly they want his average to be up higher than it is uh, now and hope he can get it to back to something what it was in the second half of last season – He's working on it, and he's still doing things to help the club win. Absolutely. He he is doing a ton. You talk to any pitcher he works with, and they rave about working with Mike Zanino, his preparation for every game, working with him, his adjustments during the ball game. I think Zanino gets a lot of credit for how well the staff has pitched as a whole, whether you're talking about starters or relievers. I mean, he is as prepared for anyone. You look at defensive runs saved. He's one of the best catchers in the big leagues. He's been phenomenal behind home plate. And, you know, I am so bummed. The injury I think was so bummed about the most coming into the season was Mike Zanino right before the season. Because right. in spring training, he was in a groove heading into the year. He looked great. Yeah, he ends up with the injury, misses the first few weeks, and we really haven't seen him get into that groove yet. Hopefully it's coming. He gives you so much else that, especially when the rest of the lineup's clicking, you can definitely deal with the batting average because power comes with it. But I think it will rise, and I think that groove is coming at some point.
You know, if I had to describe him in one word, it would be toughness. I mean, I've yeah. seen that guy take some foul balls off his elbow and, <laughs> and shin and everywhere else that a lot of guys would have literally left the game, and he doesn't even flinch. I mean, what was it a couple of weeks ago where he took the, took the, the foul ball off his uh, face mask, and that was a shot. I mean, really a shot that would have, I think, knocked out most people. And the guy stayed in the game. He is just so tough. And I think that gains a lot of respect from his teammates, his unbelievable toughness. And I know Paxson has told me, he says, look, I I just wait for Z to put down the number, and that's what I'm doing (laughs) because it's working. So, uh, you know, he really knows the staff. and, And especially this is a staff where, you don't have all those fireballers. You have guys that you know right. have to throw pitches and make pitches inside, outside. You know, really work the strike zone, and he seems to have done a really great job with helping those guys do that with LeBlanc and and Leak and and all and Gonzalez, all those guys. No, it's a great point because Paxton's really the one guy in the rotation that he can say, "Here, hit this." You know, and really go after guys. Yeah. Uh, the rest of the rotation, they really have to work the corners. It, they really have to think through the game plan. And, well, it was a Gonzalez's complete game the other day. Well, he shook Zanino one time. I mean, to your point. Yeah, the guy didn't even have the a three-ball count. I mean, yeah, unbelievable. I know. It's, it's, it's incredible. And your toughness, your point about the toughness, I don't know how, I don't know how he does it. I know. I mean, yeah, bumps and bruises – it's just sore playing every day. It's catching I mean, at a big league level. I'd be in intensive care brutal. with somebody. No, I know. I want no part of that. <laughs> He's not even. He doesn't even flinch. I mean, the I guy, the guy literally could play outside linebacker for the Seahawks. I think it's just amazing. So yeah, there's you know they. It, it, the point of it is, is that you can't just go by one stat on a guy. You have to realize all the other things he does well to help the team win. And basically, every guy they have out there is doing things to help the team win in one way or another. Basically, almost everyone that plays on a regular basis is doing that for them. So it's been amazing. And, of course, no one, we have we can't end the segment without talking about, uh, you know, uh, sugar. <laughs> We've got to talk yeah. about Eddie Diaz. I mean, I've covered baseball teams, Gary, for a lot of years. I covered baseball for a lot of years in Houston for the Houston Chronicle. I have never seen anything like Eddie Diaz has done in the first half of this season as a closer. It's just, it's it's beyond belief. It really is. I mean, I marvel at it. He he has been so dominant this year. And to be put in so many one-game situations, and, you know, he's blown two. The Mariners ended up getting the wins in those two. So 22-0 right. and 0 when he gets handed a one-run lead. It's phenomenal. The odds I mean, of that have got to be like third. I think I have a better chance of getting hit by a falling star than having. I know, man. It's incredible. I mean, forty punch outs and twenty two innings of work in that situation, just two runs allowed. That is something special and should not be taken for granted. If you just dropped kind of an average closer in that scenario, all those one run games, I mean, they're going to blow five, six, seven, just because, you know, anything can happen. One swing of the bat, an error here or there or whatever. But the way he's been able to put these games away, man, it has been so much fun to watch. He has been fantastic. All-star for sure. No question about that. No question about it. So how many do you think they will get? I mean, Diaz is no question an all-star. I would think Paxton is. uh, And then Segura, I I would hope. Then you've got the other two, and that's Hanniger and I, I think, 
Uh, D. Gordon deserves it, although I doubt he will make it. Well, how many do you think they'll end up with? So this is a great question. Uh, Diaz, for sure. The rest, it's going to be tough because of the you know, the rules. Each team has to have one guy. And then some of the other positions make it really tough. Like Gene Segura is having a great season, all-star worthy. But you look at shortstops in the American League this yeah. year, it is ridiculous. There are great seasons all over the place, whether you're talking Lindor or Machado or um, Escobar from the Twins is yeah. second in extra base hits in the American League. Simmons. I mean, that's a long list. That's not going to be easy to crack. Paxton, you would think, is a shoo-in, but you start to look at the landscape and what is happening in the American League. I and know. there's a lot of good years by starters in the American League. I, I think he deserves it. I hope he makes it. But you start to go down the list of Sale and Cole and Bauer and Verlander and Severino and Morton and Snell and Kluber. Yeah. There's a ton of good guys. And then Hanniger's in the mix, too. In terms of outfielders, I think all three, Paxton, Segura, and Hanniger, have a chance. I don't know, though. At this point, I can't say for sure outside of Diaz how many they're going to get. It's it's going to be tough. And, of course, you know, when you get closer, especially with pitchers, if they're pitching that last day, they yeah, won't be in. They're they fall, right. So I've got a good feeling Paxton's going to make it, but we'll see. We'll and, see. you know, if they don't, maybe that's something they can use as incentive going into the second half of the season. You know, a little chip on their shoulder wouldn't hurt, I guess. So it'll, it'll be fun to see. Gary, thanks so much for coming on. Great insight, as always. We really appreciate it. And go out there and win that series tonight against the Angels and uh, before Colorado comes to town. Sounds good. Should be fun. Thanks, Terry. Appreciate it. You bet. You Gary soon. Hill with the Mariners broadcast team join us. Uh, great stuff. One more segment to go here on my show today on Sports Radio 950 KJR. No. Broadcasting live. Here in downtown Seattle. Seattle's original diehard sports station. Sports Radio 950 KJR. Now back to the Carter Volkswagen Studios. Hey, everybody. Terry Blunt back with you. My last segment today. I'll be back tomorrow subbing for Jason Puckett, who's on vacation for July 4th week. On Monday, starts his new show with Cliff Averill, who is in with us today for an hour from 11 to 12. Great guy. You're going to really enjoy everything he has to say. And that new show starts Monday, the Cliff and Puck Show, 10 to 1 every day. But right now, I've got Ian Furness in here with me. A little crosstalk. He's coming up at 1 o'clock. Ian, how you doing? What's going on, my friend? How are you? You had to work yesterday, huh? You had to work yesterday? Oh, I'm afraid I did, and that was a disappointing work with uh, the Mariners. Didn't get it done, but we talked a little bit about that, about Mm -hmm. how every time the Mariners lose now, the... The malcontents, the naysayers are back. Say, see, I told they can't, they can't get a hit with the yeah, bases loaded, no yeah. outs. They struck out fifteen times. You know, come on, know. you know. So, but hey, you know, that's to that's be a expected, bummer of a I game guess. yesterday. But you'd won eight straight. You're not gonna. I mean, yeah, come on. You know, it's it's gonna happen. I, I mean, I I I know that people. Are, I heard you talking earlier about the strikeouts and everything like that, and people were upset. That the, that game was unlikely. Oh yeah, he so was many brutal. weird things. He was brutal. I mean, it yeah. was like did every inning lead? Uh, was there a leadoff double every inning he pitched? It, it seemed like it, it. sure felt that yeah. way. I mean, he <laughs> yeah. was just he was bad. And so your starting pitcher is not good, and you give up seven runs as a staff, right? Okay, so you score eight. 
I mean, well, I know it's not going to win. Those they games. scored four runs, yeah. and, they, and people were saying, "Oh, well, yeah," they, but they left the bases loaded with nobody out and all that. Look, they they didn't lose the game because yeah. they the offense. It was just one of those days when you know Leak just didn't have it. They got two solo shots off of uh, Garrett Richards, and then after that, that was rest, it. And he then it was garbage down. time after that. To yeah. be honest with you, he really Steve Sheffler was coming in, the cigar was being smoked, and it was over at that point. So, so who uh, who should make the top of my sports walk of shame list between Levar Ball and Terrell Owens? Ah. Uh, <laughs> Wow. <laughs> That's a tough one, huh? Wow. <laughs> so we did a little uh, thing on uh, what's the next crazy thing LeVar Ball will say. Yeah. And uh, had a clear winner on the hot dog contest since Nate ate 10 hot dogs this morning. I don't know if you knew that. So uh, Niner Nate ate 10 hot dogs really? this morning over three hours. Oh, uh, over three hours. Well, so that's what I mean. I mean, the the other the chestnut Joy Chestnut ate seventy four in ten minutes or something like that. Oh my yeah. god. Ugh. So, but yeah. So uh, yeah, be me you know, and be careful about going in the bathroom with, uh, if if Nate's still here. Well, there's nobody know. here. Like it's the, <laughs> the whole building's empty. You know, like I I walked in. I asked Shockey. I said, "Are we? Is this a holiday? Are we working on a holiday?" Because I thought yesterday was the holiday. Like there's literally nobody here. I know it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Although there was a glorious moment because the guy that delivers coffee brought some coffee packets in. About oh. Oh, great! So I'm thrilled. Yes, Neil, we have coffee. I just made no. I made some right down mid section. The mid uh, the mid coffee machine down there is ready to go. Yeah. I, I might have to stop by on my way out. Yeah, That's a good thing. Huge, to know. Huge what you got coming us. up today? Oh, uh, yeah, let's see what are we doing today? Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're actually one of the things we're going to do. We're going to talk to Howard Howard Beck. Uh, covers the NBA for many years and talk about was uh, there's I'm, I'm I'm so mixed on the. You know, when I hear people complaining about what, what's going on, the balance of power in the West and, you know, the Warriors. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned LeVar Ball with the Lakers and, and with LeBron. And, of course, you know, you got Oklahoma City that's that gets Paul George back. And, uh, I mean, it, yeah, I, the whole the whole thought that there's one or one and a half really good teams in the East and, and the other eight teams that are really good are in the West, that's just the way it is, man. But, I mean, everyone yeah. wants to, you know, we're going to restructure, realign, re-this, re-that. I, I thought of this actually when I was driving in. I heard you guys talking about where the M's are, and, and you know, they're on the pace to win, what, 103, I believe, right? right? Well, which nobody in the National League is on that same pace. So should we just eliminate all leagues? I mean, should, yeah. like, should the, do the Mariners it's deserve just, to win the a- NL West? Just the of the draw. Yeah, yeah. It, it, sometimes that happens, and, and uh, but we'll talk about that. I Personally, I like the super teams. I always have, and I, I, I liked it back in the days when you knew the Lakers and the Celtics were the two best teams in the NBA and they were going to play each other. Mm-hmm. I think we all, even though it would have been nice to see the 96 Sonics win a championship, I think the, the, the Blazers the year before, the Jazz the two years after, the, the Western Conference teams that had a shot at the great Michael Jordan teams, I think we all would have liked to have seen those teams win as opposed to the Bulls. But also, don't you want to stack yourself up against the very best? Is it good for the NFL that there's at least one super team and that's the Patriots every year? I think so. You know, I mean, yeah. the, the, I think I think it's good to have someone wear the black hat and be a villain, but we'll talk about that. And, you know, I was in Houston when they won their first championship, when the Rockets won their first championship, and that was against uh, New York. And everyone said, or a lot of people said, well, the only reason they won the championship is that's when Michael Jordan left to go play baseball. Mm-hmm. And so the, there was always that little right, asterisk. Right, there. right, exactly, you know, yeah. I mean, they wouldn't they, have won it, but... Were they really yeah. the, t- the best team, you yeah. know, and... Yeah, sports as you know, there's nothing you can predict, and nothing and injuries and all that other stuff happens. So. Yeah. By the way, speaking of that, I you know there's that idea of okay, why don't the NBA now then they just seed it one through sixteen like a NCAA playoff team, one plays sixteen, two plays fifteen, all right. So Adam Stern came out with this thing the other day. I read said they thought if they did that, it would mean an extra forty thousand miles in travel time right. for the teams. Right. I don't worry about that from this standpoint. They they in that their time of the playoffs it would yeah. be okay. 
you're on you're on a charter, so you're flying an hour, so, yeah. two hours, five hours on a charter. Okay, so be it. I I, I have a hard now. It would be difficult for those covering the yes, games. I get yes. that, but nobody cares about that. If we cared about that, we wouldn't be playing stupid NFL <laughs> games in in Europe, right? Right, like yeah. right. That would that wouldn't come into well, play. Well, and that sounds like a lot, but forty thousand miles over. How many games? I mean, that's a lot of games. Too. Sure, sure. So, and it is a lot, but you're I, never going to have me feel bad, dude. I rode a bus for ten years. <laughs> yeah. Okay, like I, 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 I am. You are never going to get me to feel bad for anybody traveling via charter. And I'll put what will I put on? I don't even know how many miles I'll put on this year because we don't fly direct anytime. I mean, we're we're going through all through all over the place. You you right. did the same travel for many years that I do. Oh my fall, gosh! Yeah. Right? Like like, yeah. do you really feel bad for guys that are on a charter? Definitely not. God no. I yeah. mean, I just I don't care. And and now one of the things we'll talk to Howard Beck Howard Beck about is you know the WNBA went to that though. They eliminated. Mm-hmm. They went to the top eight teams last year or two years. No, two years ago I think mm-hmm. it was. And we've had two great WNBA finals. It was pointed out in the the last two years, Minnesota and the LA Sparks. Right? I think the Lynx right. and the Sparks. Two best teams. And they've played epic five-game series. So it's worked out well in that league. But do we really want to flush history down the toilet in the NBA and say yeah. there's no, no such thing as, as a Western and Eastern Conference anymore? They will, there will be more of that if we get through this season and the Lakers ended up with the second-best record in basketball and don't make it to the final. There will be more of that talk. Sure. But I'm with you. you know, I, and, and I think you know, Boston and Philly are really good teams, good young players, and yeah. Boston is going to be even better with Hayward back and, and that kind of thing. So, you know what you can do? Get better, draft better. I, they, that's right. What people tend to forget with Golden State, they drafted three of those players. Yeah, they, yeah that's right. People they drafted Draymond, that. they drafted yeah. Steph, and they drafted Clay, and that's what you and can they do. and none of those dudes that were dra- that I just said were drafted in the top five. Exactly. Thanks for joining us today, everybody. Really fun show. I'll be back tomorrow. But coming up next, Ian Furness, stick with us. Sports Radio nine fifty KJR. No shirt, no shoes, no ties. Anybody like to smoke some pump? I was born to love you. I was born. To lick your face. I was born to rub you, but you were born to rub me first. What do you need my best for? We like to send out a mailer. Mother of mercy, I don't speak Japanese! <laughs>